God is good. Amen. 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 Well, we're going. We've been talking about our series of what it, what God says about, and we're going to change. I don't know if it's changing up. We're going to talk about something today that we may or may not think about, and we may only think about at certain times. And the topic is heaven. What happens when we die? I was talking to Jaden, the young man that was up here reading, and I asked him how his Thanksgiving went, and he said it was terrible. And I said, why? He says, because his great-grandfather, or, yeah, his great-grandfather had passed away on Thanksgiving Day. And uh, he had been sick, but the, he wasn't in the hospital. It was kind of a, uh, it was, I'm sorry, his great-grandmother died, but it was uh, un- unexpected. And his response to me was, well, at least she's in a better place. And how many of you have been to funerals that no matter who the funeral is about, they usually say they're in a better place? Well, we're going to talk about what that better place is. It may not finish today. We may finish it next week. But we're going to also find out that it's not for everybody. We're not automatically guaranteed that we're going to be there. A lot of us think that, well, when we die, we're going to wind up there. But the truth is, it's a choice that we make here on whether we make it there or not. So we're going to talk a little bit about heaven today. Uh, there are, as I was doing the research, there are countless scriptures that allude to or describe heaven. You ever, you ever wonder what it's like? The Bible says that uh, heaven is uh, beyond our ability to understand. I, no eye has seen, no, no man has seen. Or, and it, it, what is there is beyond our ability to understand. And we all probably have an image of that. So we're going to basically look at it a little bit differently. We're going to ask questions about it because that's usually how it works. You know, what is heaven like? We have a question. We'll answer the question and we'll go on from there. And if you actually Google that questions about heaven, you'll get pages and pages of responses for that. Some biblical, some not so biblical, but we're going to see what the Bible says about heaven. The first question is, does the Bible say a lot about it? Does the Bible really talk a lot about heaven? Well, the Bible started out with the very verse talking about heaven, and it also ended with the very verse about heaven. In Revelation 21.10, well, Genesis says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Revelation 21.10, it says, and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and he showed me the great city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. In the book of Matthew, Jesus alone mentions it 70 plus times. In John, he talks about the rooms and mansions and that we'll be with him. So it does have a lot to say about heaven. There's a saying that we, you may have heard before, that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And we've actually talked about hell once or twice before here. But it's time we talk about what, if God talks about it, the Bible talks about it from beginning to end, Let's see what God says about heaven. The second question is, this is kind of curious, when was heaven created? When do you think it was created? Well, that's what I used to think. Heaven was never created. Heaven always was. Heaven is eternal. God lives in heaven, and if God lives there, God's eternal, heaven is eternal as well. Now, when we look up the word heaven, it actually means a couple different things in scriptures. In Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that word, heaven, actually means a physical sky, what you can see above you. Not Not the place of heaven that we think of. It also can mean the space of the universe. So not only what you can see, but all the expanse that you can't see. 
But again, all that was created. Genesis 1.8 says, and God called the firmament heaven. The new uh, international version says, he called the expanse sky. And it literally means atmosphere. Those are the two heavens. The sky, what you can see, the firmament, the, the universe that you can't see. Now we come to the third heaven, which is what we're talking about today. 2 Corinthians 12, 2, Paul says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. I used to wonder about that. What's, well, where's one and two? Well, one and two are sky and the universe. Third heaven is where God is. And this is the only reference that shows heaven as being the place where God actually lives. In the same story, Paul talks about heaven and paradise being linked together. Now, if you know in the Old Testament, the word is Sheol. In the New Testament, it's uh, Hades. It actually is a compartment. It's a physical place. And on one side of Sheol or Hades is the people who don't believe. On the other side of Hades or Sheol is the people that do believe. That's the paradise side. And when Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise, he's talking about that side of Sheol. And in the end of the Bible where it says uh, death and hell were thrown into the grave, he's talking about the, the unbelieving side of hell was thrown into, or unbelieving side of Sheol was thrown into hell. So there was two compartments. When you talk about paradise, Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's what he's talking about. And Abraham, I mean, uh, Lazarus, when he died, he was taken to Abraham's bosom or paradise. So they're linked together. In 2 Chronicles, or 2 Corinthians 12, 2, it says, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows. He was caught up to paradise. So that's the believing part of Sheol at that point. Luke 23, 43, Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. Revelation 2, 7, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from this tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. If heaven is actually where God lives, then John tells us it's always been, it never was created, it's always been, it's eternal. John 17, five, it says this, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before the world began. So if God was in heaven, paradise, or heaven, the eternal heaven, Jesus was with him as well in that eternal place. So the answer to the question is it was never created. It has always been. The Bible tells us that the first two heavens are created and they will be gone. You know, the Bible says the earth will be burned up again. Everything in here is going to be gone at one point. But not the third heaven. The third heaven is constant. It will remain. It is there for eternity. 2 Peter 3.10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with the roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. The atmosphere, universe, and sky all at one point destroyed. Heaven, God's eternal home, will not be. So the, second, the third question is, where is heaven? Well, heaven's where God lives. How's that for an answer? Psalm 103.19 says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Matthew 6.9, Lord's Prayer says, Our Father who is in heaven. John 14.2, In my Father's house are many rooms. 
Now the Bible says that God can't be contained by space and time, right? God, you know, the earth is his footstool. He can't be contained. So neither can heaven be contained, nor can heaven really be delineated as a space. Since heaven is outside of the physical creation, we really can't know where it is. We don't know where God is because God is outside of the physical creation. Now, I've read, you know, Time Magazine and all these other things that say they, they found heaven. How many of you have seen those articles? That there's this little speck out there in the middle of the universe that the Hubble telescope found, and it, that's heaven. Well, that can't be heaven because it's inside of the created universe. Heaven is outside of the creative universe. We can't know where it is. A lot of times we refer to it as being up. You know, it's, heaven is up, hell is down. We don't know that because it's outside of what we know as, as physical universe. If the universe is gonna be destroyed, then God's heaven can't be inside the universe. And a lot of times we spend a lot of time thinking and, and a lot of people try to find out where it is. Waste of time because you can't figure out where it is. You can't know where it is other than the fact that it's outside of what we know to exist in the universe. Here's a question everybody wants to know. What is heaven like? How many think it's a bunch of clouds that you sit on with a harp and play and angels come and attend you? No. It will have physical, tangible structures. John 14, 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. So we actually have physical dwellings, a house. How many of you love the house you're in now? How many of you wish you had a bigger, bigger, better house? Guess what? You're going to have a bigger, better house at some point. God's preparing it for you. And I can, you know, you look at all these home improvement shows. How many watch those HD, you know? And all the, the transformations these homes take from being kind of eh to being beautiful. And the Bible says that our eye hasn't seen anything yet. Can you imagine what God's house for us is going to look like? I also wonder if there's going to be uh, property values in heaven. Like someone's going to have a bigger mansion and someone's going to have a, like a little shack. I don't, I don't know. But even God's little shack has got to be pretty awesome. The Bible also tells us that heaven will have vineyards, plants. Matthew 26, 29 says, I tell, you, I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine and from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. So there will be vines which grow grapes which eventually turn into wine. There will be plants and things up there. It's also referred to as a country that has cities. So there are gonna be different cities that we're gonna be in up there. Hebrews eleven sixteen says, Instead they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Now, I'm not sure, you know, are we talking like New York City? Are we talking like Dover City? We don't know how big the cities are going to be. But we know that they're going to be groups of places that have cities in them. We don't know where we're going to live. Now, we also know it's a place of perfection with nothing but joy. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. That's the, that's the verse we use at most funerals. 
because most time we do a funeral it's usually for someone who has been in pain for a number of years or for a short period of time but they know pain and they know suffering and all of us here know that at some point as well that we know that we have tears we cry we have pain we have suffering here but when we get to the point where it's the end of our life we know what's coming that all that that worries us and concerns us and pains us here will be gone a friend of mine back home, pastor just a year or two older than I am, uh, got, went to the doctor, he wasn't feeling well, and on, I think it was like November 1st, they said, well, you've got cancer, and by the 25th, he was, he was gone. Less than a month. The point is, you don't know when your time is up. And he's, he's a young guy. Well, if he's my age, he's a young guy. So you look at that and you wonder, Wow. In less than a month. We had a friend of ours back home, same similar situation. He was about as old as I am now. He went in for a cough and they found a spot in his lung and within a month or two, he was gone. So you never know when your time is up. The, prob- the point is, this life is not all there is. We endure this life. We, we have joy. We have pain. We all have life experiences that build us and make us into who we are but we know that when the end of our life comes, there's something else. Now, a lot of people think that when you die, that's it. You go into a ground and you, that's it. My dad used to believe that. You know, once you're dead, you're dead. And the truth is not. When you die, there is some place to go, and we choose that place now. All the things that make life difficult and unhappy here will be taken away. All the reasons we have now not to enjoy what God has given us, all that will be gone. You know, we talked about Thanksgiving on Wednesday, and one of the things we, when we look at things that we want and things that we think we need and the things that we are in anguish about, we kind of tend to focus on the things that are missing, and we forget all the things that we actually have. How many of you had a great Thanksgiving? It was great. You had a great time, right? Do you take that and, and put that in the back of your mind so whenever something comes up that is painful to you, do you bring that back and say, you know what? My life's pretty good. My life's blessed. Try not to focus on the negative so much. Focus on what God has blessed you with. So when you're in heaven, all the reasons that we have to be painful now, all those reasons will be gone. And all that will remain will be joy. Now the question someone asked, I didn't write this down, but this is my theory. Do we remember those who are still here when we're in heaven? I'm gonna say no. Only because if you were able to, and, and you know, a lot of us say, well, you know, grandma's looking down on me now, or my father's looking down on me now. I don't believe any of that's true. Two reasons. One, if you could look down on your children and they are experiencing hardship, would you still be joyful about that? Would, would that be a part of perfect paradise? I'm thinking no. If you're able to look down and see someone going through a really, really difficult and painful situation as a parent or as a loved one, that would pain you. Normally that would just pain you. So I don't think that they have the ability to look down on us. If you look at the, uh, the story of Lazarus and the rich man, it says that the rich man could see Lazarus, but it never says that Lazarus could see the rich man. 
And, the last, and, and part of that description about hell is the person in hell remembers every chance they had, everything, every, he remembers perfectly all the chances he had to get right with God and he, and he blew it. But the person in heaven, it never says that he's able to reflect or think about anything that went on in the, in the hell part of Sheol. So I don't believe any of those things that we say to comfort ourselves are true. And that's, you know, we like to think that. We like to think that, well, my great-grandmother's really watching out for me. But it's not true. If it's not true, then we need to focus on something else that's taking care of us. And who is taking care of us but the Lord? If we're depending on grandma to look down on me or my dad to look down on me, we're missing on who the person is who can actually look down and take care of you, and that's Christ. And I think that's one of the reasons why the enemy allows us to think all these things. Because it takes our focus off of who Christ is. So what will we see in heaven? Well, because heaven is beyond human words and our minds to comprehend, what the Bible does tell us about is things that we are able to understand. You know, I've said before that the Bible tells us everything God wants us to know. But the Bible doesn't tell us everything there is to know. A lot of times when we try to think of heaven, we have it in human, human perspective. And God gives us examples of that that we are able to comprehend. And these are just a few of the many descriptions about heaven. There's, there's multitudes of descriptions about it, but we're going to look at a few. The first one is you're going to see Jesus in his glory. How many of you are excited to see Jesus? I mean, we all have these, we have these pictures and we have these images and paintings of who Jesus is. Just want to see, want to see him. I want to see him. And we all say we know we have all these questions for Jesus. Well, I think the Bible says we won't have those questions when we get there. The Bible says we, live, we see through a glass dimly now, darkly now, but in, in that time it will see everything perfectly. So we will have no questions. But we will see Jesus perfectly. Isaiah 33, 17 says, Your eyes will see the king in his beauty and, the land, and view a land that stretches afar. Revelation 5, 6 says, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. Rather than wondering if Jesus is here or if Jesus hears you, and we know that's true, but if you can't see it, it's kind of hard to imagine sometimes. But in heaven, we get to see him. I, you know, I, you wonder, how many of you went out for Black Friday shopping? How many of you stood in long lines? I saw a meme the other day that had uh, a, a picture, uh, Wednesday price, $300, Thursday price, $300, Black Friday price, $450, scratched out, $300. But I wonder if there's going to be a huge line to see Jesus. Everybody's going to be in a line to see Jesus. There's not going to be multiple Jesuses. There's going to be one. Do we have to stand in line to talk to him? Can we take a number? I'm not sure how that works. And the Bible doesn't tell us that. The second thing it does, we will see and probably participate in worship. Now, when you read these verses, think about standing, if you go to the women's convention or the men's convention, and you're around maybe a couple thousand people that are singing, and I think we've all said that those are awesome experiences, right? That you just hear these thousands of people singing. Well, can you imagine being in <coughs> a space where millions, 
Millions of people are singing and worshiping. Revelation 5.11. Then I looked and heard the voices of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang. Verse 13. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing. Revelation 7.11. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. Can you imagine that, that picture when you're there? Now, I came across this verse. I, I've read it before, but it, it kind of jumped out at me. How many of you like learning new songs? Good. Because Revelation 14 says, 3 says, and they sang a new song before the throne and the, before the four living creatures and elders. So we will have to learn new music while we're there. However, I'm not going to be able to. It goes on and says, no one can learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. And that's not us. So they're going to sing a song that we're not going to know and we're not going to learn. But we're going to still sing it. I don't know if they're going to have a projection screen or a slideshow or a song show or iTunes. I don't know how we're going to learn a song that we don't know and can't see the lyrics to because we won't. So the question is, is it only that's worship in heaven. Well, all we do is sing. Is there going to be one 10,000 years upon 10,000 years of one big church service? You know, as great as church services are, I don't think I could stand to be in one forever. Because it could be the most awesome service in the world but it's not just church. And we're gonna to get to that part a little bit later, probably next week. But it, when you think it's one big church service, you assume that there's nothing else to do. But we're gonna find out next week that there is things to do in heaven. Now, the images that will be in heaven will be something like, I wrote down here, that you see in a good sci-fi movie with great CGI. I mean, know what CGI is. That's a computer stuff on the, all these movies that are out now that have all these amazing pictures. How many of you saw the Marvel movies? Anybody see the Marvel movies? God's got to get in the know. You got to watch the Marvel movies. But when you see these fantastic images that were created by computer, can you imagine something 100 times better than that? 10,000 times better than that. The Bible says, talking about the great city of Jerusalem, it says this in Revelation 21:11. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. How many of you are getting junk mail promoting sales for Christmas? Anybody getting those in the mail? How many of you are getting big jewelry catalogs? How many of you flip through those things? And look at the prices on those bad boys and they go right in the garbage. Can you, and for something that's imperfect to cost so much money, and the Bible says that the, the glory of God, the, the city is gonna look like a, as clear as crystal, a beautiful 
Beautiful gem. Revelation 21, 21 says, the 12 gates were made with 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. Now I've seen pearls. I've never seen a pearl as big as a gate. It says one pearl will be big enough to make a gate. So we're gonna assume that the gate is the size of a regular door. You have a, a pearl that's this wide and that tall. One pearl. In short, heaven's a place that's very hard to describe in our language or understanding. God allows us a glimpse so we can be excited about our, what our future holds. Now we're going to go talk further about this next week. But the, the main thing about heaven is are you going to be there? There's a saying, we said it many times before, if you're a believer, earth, what we have now is the closest you're going to get to hell. If you don't trust Christ, earth is the closest you're going to get to heaven. Everyone who's living now will have at some point in their life discouragement, pain, suffering, heartache, and death. Everyone is going to get to that point. When you're finding yourself in those places, take some time to think about what is awaiting you on the other side. We send our kids to school for 12, maybe 16 or longer years. Why do we do that? Because we're preparing them for life. We're preparing, we're taking those 12 years, building them up so they're able to function for the rest seven, the other 70 years or so they have in life. When your kids are in school, <clears throat> how many of your kids come actually home and say, man, I love school. I love everything. That's what I get from my kids when they're in school. Most kids that are in school don't particularly care for it. They think it's hard, it's burdensome. The, the point we're trying to make is when you send your kids to school, you allow them to endure things that they don't like in order to prepare them for what's coming. In this life, the Bible says in Romans 8.18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. We allow them, our kids, to suffer in school. We allow them to go through the punishment, whatever it might be, bullying or bad grades or whatever it might be. We allow them and we tell them, you're only there for a certain number of years. Learn and grow because you're going to need that when you get in the world. You're going to need those 12 years to function the next 70 or 80 years, however long you're alive. If we don't do that, they're not ready for the next 70, 80 years. We, have, we try to tell them that what they're facing now is insignificant to the benefits that's going to come in the future. And as Christians, we go through hard times and difficult situations, but the Bible says these are minimal compared to the glory that's going to be seen when, you're get, when you get to heaven. And the older you get, you realize the closer that's going to be. And you're able to endure the, the hardships and the pain because you know that's not all there is. You know there's something else that's better that's coming, that all this will one day be gone. The hardships we face here, while they are difficult, they're easier to endure when we think about what's waiting for us. If you've been through surgery, surgery is painful, 
but you usually in the end the surgery benefits you in the outcome so you're willing to endure that and you go to the doctors and get all this whatever else you need and you do that because you know it's going to help you prepare for that and the Bible tells us that our life here is preparing us for that and the biggest preparation we need to make is are we ready for that and I've said this at funerals every funeral I do I, t- I tell them because when you're in a funeral people are in a mindset of mortality the person that passed away you know now everyone's thinking about their life and thinking about when their time is going to come you prepare for everything in your life you prepare to get married you prepare to have kids you prepare for a job you prepare for retirement the question is do you prepare for what happens after you die we all have wills probably we all know where our physical things are going to go once we die the question is do you know where you're going to go when you die And the Bible says those are choices we have to make now we're not going to be able to make them after we die the Bible says there are two places to go when you die there's no third there's no fourth there's, there's two there's heaven there's hell and the choices we make now determine where we're going to go and the Bible says you know if this life is the best that Christianity has to offer then we're in trouble what's Romans 15 or 1 Corinthians 15 13, 19 say if only for this life we have hope in Christ we are to be pitied more than all men that means if we think that the best of Christianity is now and that nothing happens after this the Bible says we're to be pitied more than anybody else because we're putting our hopes we're banking everything on what happens when we die and we've spoken sufficiently hopefully in, in sermons gone by that the reliability of what God's Word says how it's true how it's verifiable in a lot of aspects and if that's true and we base our lives on what the Bible says then we have to base it on what happens to us when we die the Bible talks about that in many areas but the question we have to ask ourselves today are you ready for that if your time comes today do you know where you're gonna go not because you're in here not because you've been a part of a church you may have been in church all your life or not because you think you've been good enough the Bible says we are all sinners all of us some people call it original sin we call it sin nature in other words if you don't think you're a sinner look at any garden variety two or three year old and you tell them not to cross this line and what do they do they cross the line they they look at you and they defy you and they'll do exactly what you tell them not to do that's sin nature that's everyone's nature when we get to a point where we understand right from wrong the Bible refers to that as the age of accountability now you're accountable for knowing that your actions are wrong and if we're all sinners and the Bible says that the only people who get into heaven are perfect people sinless people well that excludes all of us none of us can make it but the Bible says that God sent Jesus to pay the price for our sin since we're we're unable to do it we can't work good enough we can't do it 
God says, I'll send someone to pay the debt that was yours to pay. He's going to do it. And all I'm asking you is to trust him that his payment was sufficient for you. Now, that's not just head knowledge. Everyone believes that, or most people believe that Jesus lived. I don't think very few people believe that he didn't live. The question is, do you believe that without Jesus, you can't make it to heaven? You can't. No matter what religion, whatever faith you think is the same, the Bible says the only way to come to God is through Jesus. And if you don't have Christ now, when your time comes, you will not have him after that. If you're rejecting God now, God's going to let you keep, stay with that. You don't want God now? God says, okay, fine. You can have life without me after you die, and that's basically hell. It'd be one thing if heaven was just similar to what we have now. And then when we die, we're going to go someplace similar to what we have. The Bible talks about how awesome and splendor, splendor-filled it is. So it gives us anticipation. Not only do we want to be there when we die, we just can't wait. And it's exciting to be there. Now, none of us want to go today, right? We, none of us are lining up to go there today. But when our time comes, ask yourself, are you ready? If it's today, are you ready? Jaden's grandmother had a heart attack instantly and died. No warning, no sickness. They were just coming home from Thanksgiving. And they had to go down from the funeral. Are you ready for that? The last sentence I wrote here is, heaven is the future reward for us as we trust Christ in this life. When you look at all the martyrs that are muttering that's happening around the world, people getting killed for their faith, beheaded, shot, why do you think they're, they're willing to do that? Why do you think they're willing to sacrifice their life here? Because they know what's waiting for them on the other end. The, little, the suffering that they're happen, having now, the pain that they're having now, they back to that verse, is nothing compared to what God has prepared for them. You know, the Bible says that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Heaven was prepared for us. And it's a choice we make now on whether or not we're going to be there. Would you stand as we close this morning? Would you bow your heads for a moment? Maybe you're here for the first time this morning or maybe you've been here many, many times. The question is still the same. You can attend a church for years and not know Jesus. Or you can walk into a church for one day and not know Jesus. The end result is the same. So if you're here and you've never really trusted Christ, you've never admitted to Jesus that you're a sinner, that you need Jesus' saving power in your life, and you want to do that this morning, 
I'm here to tell you that God will transform your life. He will make you into something that you never thought you could be. He will do things in your life when you trust Him that will amaze and astound you and everyone else around you because your life will be so radically transformed. Things that you think you can't do on your own, you can't. But God can do it through you. And there are countless testimonies of people whose lives were a mess, whose lives were broken, or whose lives were really good, but needed to be transformed. If that's you and you really want that in your life, you want to have a relationship with Jesus. Not you know about him and you talk about him, but you know Jesus. The Bible says these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. If you have a question about that and you're not sure you have eternal life, then maybe you need to make a decision today. So if that's you and you want a relationship with Christ, you want your sins forgiven, I want you to raise your hand right now. Father, I do thank you that we are all able to be here today. I thank you, Lord, for the blessings you've poured into our lives, the things that we have in this life that are just beyond our ability to thank you for. But more than that, Father, we are thankful for what awaits us in eternity. Lord, I know sometimes we don't think about it because we have it so good here. or We don't have time to think about it. But Father, when we look at the things we go through in this life and how fast life goes and time goes, we are thankful that this life is not all there is. That there is truly a better place that we will be where there will be no sickness or suffering or pain or sorrow or any of the things that ruin our lives here. Father, I pray your blessings upon each person here. Allow the Spirit of God to continue to work in their lives, to transform them. Allow our lives to be a reflection of what you've already done. Just to let people know that we are thankful for you. Lord, I pray your blessings upon us as we leave today. Allow the Spirit of God to go before us to make every crooked way straight. Meet every need upon the hearts here, Lord. Touch each physical body that may be sick or may not be here today. Lord, we still believe you're the God of miracles. You're the God of healing. You're the God of provision. And your word says that you know what we need even before we ask. So Lord, I pray that your power would minister to each person individually according to each and every need that's here today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Have a blessed week. It's Christmas season. Get your trees up. Lights out.